Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 82 of Justified Pursuit. It is great to be here with you today. Uh, shotgun, riding shotgun, as always. Let's start over. That was a little awkward. Take two. Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one. <laughs> take, take you just need to leave this in there. <laughs> Make sure to just leave all of this. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 82 of Justified Pursuit. It's great to be here with you. Riding shotgun, as always, the good counselor, Chisholm Cook. How in the world are you, man? It seems like the world's falling apart around us every day. Well, you nailed the intro that time, so that's good (laughs) on on take three. You really should leave all that in there. Um, How am I? Literally... Nothing's on fire today, so it's a better day than yesterday. Hmm. Um, I'd love to elaborate, but uh, I guess I probably shouldn't. Suffice it to say, (laughs) the S has been hitting the fan uh, at work, Uh, but I guess life is good at home, so that's that's a, a good balance. How are you? How was the vacation? That oh, was it was awesome. Pristine beaches of Galveston, Texas. Uh, well, the water was brown <laughs> and so was the sand. So, you know, pretty much the norm. Wind was whipping the whole weekend. Was there two foot, two foot of, uh, of uh, sargassum seaweed, uh, flea ridden seaweed stacked up on the beach like the last time I was in Galveston? No, dude. I, I've never seen it's that. It's a massive improvement. You've never yeah. seen that? Really? I mean, oh, I've man. seen seaweed on the beach, but not like we, we Dude, go every crazy. summer. It was one year. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say we go every summer uh, a lot of times twice. We go once with my family, rent a beach house. Then, I mean, my like huge extended family, everybody. Uh, and then we go with Aaron's family. And so we're going back with her family in July. The seaweed has never been a problem. There are certain times, though, when you cannot go in the water without getting stung by a jellyfish. Yeah, and, uh, we sure. didn't see a single jellyfish on this trip. I mean, there was one time like three years ago, the kids ultimately just were like, well, screw it. We're going in. We're going to get stung. And they just got over getting stung. Like, man, y'all are hard asses. But That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I remember getting stung as a kid and thinking the world was ending. And But, you know, as an adult going wade fishing, it's like, to your point, the best time of year to go wade fishing is like May. And it's usually, you know, man of war season mm-hmm. so you get stung all you've been with me you get stung all day long oh yeah uh and it's just mostly an irritant unless you maybe you have it's like getting an ant bite or something it's really eh. one time one time i had one manage to slip a tentacle up my shorts and catch me on the sack that was not cool i don't like that. think i've been stung on that the really sack, did happen. but i think henry did get tagged on the on his little wiener once I think I do remember <laughs> yeah, that. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. uh, Less no, pleasant, yeah. more unpleasant than the leg for sure. Um, we did go fishing, so that was cool. Um, but the wind. Yeah, was I want to hear bad. all about it. But but the, the seaweed thing, like the summer of 2017, uh, I think it was that summer. Even the locals were saying we've never seen anything like this. I mean, literally, we ran out to the beach one day when we were still living in the woodlands. Uh, some friends of ours were out there, and dude, it was too foot deep from the, sh- the water's edge to the dunes 
like the whole beach. It was crazy. Mm. It was hideous, smelly. Mm. There was nowhere to sit. We were, I mean, you had to like clear a spot just to like put a chair down. It was awful. No, never. But never really, like lo- locals that. were like, we've never seen this in 30 years living on this island, you know. But anyway, run us down. Start to suit to nuts. Oh, well, so my my dad and Henry and I went fishing on Sunday. And the guy, the same guy I always go with, we've kind of become friends with this dude. Uh, he was like, hey, he called me Saturday afternoon. He's like, I canceled my trip today because the wind is just so bad. The fishing has been terrible. It's like, we can still go tomorrow. He's like, I'll charge you like half price. But if we're not like catching fish by eight or nine, we're just going to call it a day. I was like, sounds good to us. So we caught, I caught a nice redfish and my dad and Henry each caught one keeper black drum. And then we caught a bunch of like lady fish. And my dad caught one undersized flounder, hard heads. That was pretty much it. So, but we're going to have redfish on the half shell tonight. So, you know. Right on. I was going to say, you got enough fish for dinner, it sounds like. So, yeah. Yeah. Barely enough for the family. But yeah, we do have enough. And then drank way too much beer, played a lot of uh, no way. Yeah. Just on the beach all day. Um, it was a good trip. My woke brother admitted to me that Biden is a dumpster fire. Is- hey, progress! Yeah, he, yes. yeah, but he, but he also, in the same breath, was like, "But this but Ukraine, so this Ukraine thing is awesome." And you don't think that if uh, Trump was still in office, that that Putin would have invaded Ukraine? Uh, no, I don't, because he had four years to do it. He goes, "This is the best thing for America." Because it just showed everyone how weak Russia is. I mean, Ukraine's made their army look like a joke, and they're one of our biggest enemies. So what, $40 billion to make Russia look like crap? That was his spin on the whole Ukraine thing. I was just like, oh, okay. I, like I said, progress, dude. Rome wasn't built in a day. You don't get red built overnight. Progress, though. Major progress. Yeah, but the problem is, is that they'll never be red-pilled because they can't get past the transgender thing. Like... Here's the analogy I'm going to start using. Okay. Uh, you have a penis, but you want to tell me that you're a woman. But your DNA, even if you cut your wiener off, your DNA says that you are still a man. It's in your biological makeup. The thing that makes you you. So, okay. I'm, gonna, I'm Chisholm. I'm Cable Smith. I'm black. I'm black. I, I say I'm black. So, so it's now the same thing. It's you have to sure tell you have to respect yeah. the fact that I'm African American. Well, cable, your DNA there are says people that who are... you are Caucasian and probably from Scandinavian descent somewhere. I don't know. But remember that black. lady, Rachel Dolezal? Remember? Who mm. Rachel Dolezal was that chick from the Pacific Northwest that was the president of a local NC NAACP chapter mm-hmm. who was who was basically pretending to be a black American until it, she got outed and it was, you know, national news. I mean, everybody was covering it for like a week. This was already like six, seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she was roundly mocked. She lost her position, right? Well, she's come back around in the last year because people are starting to point out, how is this any different than Rachel Dolezal? And there are now leftists starting to say, well, yeah, maybe she was right along. Maybe her identity as black was actually, you know, you can identify as. You can, you cannot, you can tell me that you have uh, lady like feelings and that you're a feminine male, 
you can't alter your DNA, no matter how you mutilate your body. And I, I can't be African-American, whether I, you know, if I inject pigment into my skin, it doesn't make me any more Af- African-American than I was yesterday, which is 0%. And just like Michael Jackson and Sammy Sosa wanted to turn themselves white. Well, guess what? Sammy Sosa is still Hispanic and Michael Jackson's still black. I think they, I think they both had like skin conditions, but anyway, what's that called? Uh, Myrtleigo or whatever, where you I don't like I, patchy white spots. I'm I pretty sure, like I'm pretty sure Michael I'm Jackson, ninety nine percent turned himself. No, off. both of them. No, because he was he had those white patches. You know what I'm talking about? It's, I think it's called Myrtleigo. But yeah, I, yeah. I, don't know, I have a friend with it. I knew I yeah. grew up with a kid who had that. Yeah. Anyway, so what's your brother's take? He's all hands no. He like, just you know, he, he just can't. And, the the only thing where we were having this conversation on the beach, the only thing where he was like, okay. I'm not a, a father, so I don't have any skin in the game as far as the indoctrination of kids at like the kindergarten level. Because like, I could see where that'd be a problem for parents. I was like, oh, you could see that? Really? Or where Biden hey, last again, week dude. said he's going to withhold lunch money from public schools <laughs> if they don't let boys go in the bathroom with girls from K through 12th grade? That's absurd, dude. I said, you understand he's holding the kids hostage, using them as a weapon and but he's like well what what are they using him as a weapon for what i said they're grooming him he said what are they grooming him for i said dude i don't know i don't know what they're grooming him for it doesn't matter to me all i know is that they're grooming him do you understand that that's what is happening he's like eh, well he didn't want to admit that sure they're being that that's he didn't want to admit but he that couldn't deny groomed. it either right but he's, you're saying he didn't really deny it either right see i'm telling I said, you if dude, they, you gotta if, take yeah, I said to him, incremental progress, man. Why like are that. they willing to die on this hill? Like, why is it so important to them to put this in our schools if they're not trying to groom them for something? He's like, well, I don't know. I was like, me neither, but I'm not going to stand for it as a father. I have two seven-year-old daughters, your nieces. You think that an 11-year-old boy that's a stranger should be allowed to go in the bathroom when my, my girls are in there naked or in a locker room situation or whatever? I said, Dude, I don't let Henry, who's their brother, who's nine years old, shower with them. That, that stuff stopped when they were like five and three. I was like, I said, it's, it's, it's insane, and it's, and it's grotesque, and it's wrong. So he, he didn't have a rebuttal for that. But he was just like, well, I don't know. What, why do you think they're grooming him? What, what are they grooming him for? Dude, I don't know. I just know it's yeah, evil. Got, like, so I learned this talking to my mom the other day. Learned. It was reinforced in a very real way. I think I mentioned it, but when, when she, when, when she said to me and talking about all this and we were kind of touching on the Florida bill and she said something like, I just don't understand why it was necessary. What I heard was this was a political stunt passing the air quotes. Don't say gay bill. Right. And when I started on that, she goes, no, 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 Chisholm, you, you don't, you don't understand me. She's like, I don't understand why we're even ha- even having to have this conversation because I just can't see where this is coming from. Not that it's not happening. Like she doesn't get what they're trying to do. Right. She thinks it's sick and absurd. She hates the fact. I don't know about hate. She really just dis- dis- disdains the fact that you know in Congress you can't use the word mother anymore. Right. She realizes, mm-hmm. and that's why, dude. I've been saying for a long time. I really want to stop talking about it, but it's super important because it is the fundamental attack on reality that the Marxists are going to use for the revolution. There was a time where when you threw out the trans thing, most liberals would be like, 
Oh, of course, you're going to the trans thing because it was far enough removed from day-to-day life for them to really, they didn't have to pay any attention to it. It was just Mm -hmm. a radical faction, right? But to your point, now it's so clearly pervasive that even, you know, you got Bill Maher talking about it and you got my mom, it's the piece, it's the crack in her armor of Trump derangement, right? So what what I realized was like when she said, I don't understand why we're having to have this conversation, why they're having to pass those bills. She didn't mean like, I don't understand what the right's all worked up about. She meant like, I don't have an effing clue what the left is doing here. Right. Why this is even a conversation because it's so absurd. Yeah. Not, but why is it a conversation? So when he says, why are they grooming? I don't necessarily think it's right to interpret him as challenging you. He sounds to me like he's finally starting to wake up a little bit and be like, dude, something's going on here that I don't understand. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. And I don't, I, I see what you're saying, brother, that yeah. this looks like grooming, but for what? And the answer, you just need to cruise over to Jansen's towel, wherever he's chilling and say, Hey, Jansen, <laughs> tell us about the global population control, you know, effort oh, that's going yeah. on to castrate children and, you know, otherwise get them to kill themselves or abort them before they're even born to try to knock the population down. Like that's. Yeah. We, so the I mean, three it, of us it, later had a conversation after everyone else had gone to bed, we're sitting on the, the balcony and Probably that conversation was like where Jansen was laying it all out for him. And he's just like, no, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. And I'm just, I'm writing, I'm just on the fence being like, mm, pretty much whatever Jansen says is probably any is way more accurate than what you believe. So it's a coin flip at worst. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. If you're going to err on the side of one or the other, I'm, but I'm, I'm my, back in I'm my back, youngest back brother, though, Christopher, is conflicted because his wife is a counselor and a lot of her clients are oh, like so struggling. She's, she's extremely indoctrinated into. Yes. And because she sees people that are living in this transgender situation. Like, and so she's very sympathetic to that. But it still, yeah, it still doesn't make it reality. You could, like I said, right. I'm never going to be black. You're never going to be a woman, Chisholm. It, it, we can want to all we, all we, till we're blue in the face. It doesn't change the way that God put us on this planet. And you know, it's it's just a load of cockadoo. Also, I brought up what is a woman. Like- of course, they just they were like, nah, not not interested. <laughs> Like I said, but you should watch it because no one can answer the question. Can you answer the question? No, no, they could not answer the question because in answering the question, it shoots so many holes in the bottom of the boat that it's taken on water as they're answering it. And they know it sounds stupid coming out of their mouth. I feel like we're, we spend entirely too much time talking about this, but then when we start to talk about it, I also feel like it's the most important conversation in America right now because certainly it's the for the most future of our kids, it is dude. blatant. Well, like I said, man, it, go back to 1984 when Orwell says, if they can make you believe the two plus two equals five, they can make you believe anything. Mm-hmm. If they can make you believe this, then they can make you believe anything. What percentage of the population is trans? The answer is less than 1%. Why is like the rest 0.1%. of the population of a country with 330 million people being held hostage by less than 1% of the population? I, how in the world does that make sense? Well, so, so, Can we be racist so and bigots towards them? No, we should not. But we shouldn't be 
putting them on a pedestal like they're special. It, they're not special. Right. And, and that, that is where the rubber meets the road on it, right? Because just five years ago, hell, maybe just three years ago. Someone on social media told you you're in, special because you're feeling like you might be a boy today. No, you're confused and living a lie. That's what you are. Look, your, your brother and his wife want to let trans people be themselves and not be, you know, demeaned or, or uh, um, discriminated against mm-hmm. for and it, right? We're both and on I record think as you agreeing I with that. agree 100%. But the difference between where they're at right now, although it definitely sounds like your brother is starting to have the, the scales, scales are drying they're, to where they'll, they'll, they'll fall off at some point, but they're not, you can't even really peel them. I don't know. You can just if, see they're not, if they don't ever become they're parents, to, I don't know if they out. will. I, I was going to say, I was going to say before you mentioned that he acknowledged the children part, the real change in him on this will come when he has his own children in the world that are being sent off into this indoctrination program. And then he doesn't want like, kids. We, what the F? And, he, we and, and about to that, that point, my mom, it's still massive progress. My mom was it's like, massive well, progress that he acknowledges your feelings as a parent yeah. and your right to be frustrated and confused by this. Go ahead. Sorry. My mom was like, Christopher, Charlotte, when are y'all going to, when are we going to have another grandkid? Because my sister's not married and we're done. And Jansen's tapped out at three girls. And she's like, well, when are we going to get another one? And Christopher's like, we're not. And so later, I, I, the siblings were visiting and, and with, with my, my sister-in-law. I'm like, hey, what's the deal, you guys? I know Charlotte had at least gone and gotten like her reproductive system checked out. Because I think there was like a year where she was like, I, you know, maybe I want to have kids. And then we were asking about it. And they're like, no, we're back on the just want to be the cool aunt and uncle deal. And they are. They're wonderful. They're, they're amazing. Um, my brother is the fun uncle. That will go in the waves with the kids, play soccer with Henry. I mean, and always walks up to him, just gives him a dollar. Like <laughs> they, they love him to death. Um, and I love yeah. him to death, but, but he was, he said these words, I just like my lifestyle too much. I don't want to have kids. He's like, I'm selfish. <laughs> right. Well, Hey man, again, progress. Like if he can acknowledge that in himself, then no, I'd say there's hope for him even without the kids. Cause that's been my take for a really, really long time is that you're going to be a selfish person until you have children, but at least he's able to see that that's his rationale. And that's, that's a big deal, dude. That's very, that's being very self-aware. Yeah. The, the thing I was going to say back on the other deal is, um, <laughs> I don't remember. doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is the rubber. Important. I was saying, I, I was saying that the, we have the, to keep talking about it, but I know yeah. what I was going to say. He, 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 they look at this as they have feelings of concern and empathy for these people who are so conflicted and afflicted with gender dysphoria. And he acknowledges he doesn't see it. It's not a, it's not a problem for him and it's not a problem for his wife and they don't have kids. Right. So they're not, they're, 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 they're more emotionally invested in the people who are afflicted by it and feel some sort of, you know, need to provide a safe space for those people. But you've got his attention with the grooming concept, right? And that is where the rubber meets the road. All of us would like to be in a place where I guess trans people can do whatever they want. But the reality is this fraction of a fraction of a percent of 
of the population has become the number one cause du jour of leftists in America. And it's being forced down our throat, mm. like Christina Aguilera's strap on. Right. And that's the problem. And that gets to the heart of his question. No idea why. about what the Christina Aguilera reference was there. <laughs> what was that? This weekend in Los Angeles, they had a family friendly pride music fest. Like the Don't Look Itself Saturday. one they had last week in Dallas that we talked about? Well, um, oh, I saw sure. videos I mean, of this, dude. This is where like the parents are shoving their kids out there, and then the kids are like turning away, not wanting to look at it. And the parents are like, "No, look at this." I saw a video of. Uh, I don't. I, I saw something about that. This may have been the same event. This was Christina Aguilera was the last act, which goes to show what a crap music festival it must have been. And she comes out on stage in a shiny green, like Hulk, somewhat style like bodysuit mm. with like a nine inch strap on and sings a song called sex, 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 sex. Like literally they just gets the song just says sex like 150 times. Well, yeah. that's just grotesque. So, fam- family friendly pride event. <laughs> Jeez, dude. There's plenty of pictures <sighs> on here. This is enough just, to just, make just, you want to pull your hair Christina out. Aguilera strap on. Uh, there was something else funny. She just got canceled in my house. <laughs> Speaking of uh, grotesque entertainers, Lizzo. Uh, Matt Walsh covered this yesterday. The so beach Lizzo, whale? I saw her in Galveston. She was laying there, couldn't get up on her own. It was very sad. <laughs> I think that's an affront to whales. They spend a lot of time exercising. Uh so, so she has. We're no, we're no strangers to fat shaming on this show. Go to the gym. Should, should have pulled pulled this up because it's quite funny. She has a new single out, and, and that's coming um, from a chunky guy. The entire song. Oh come on, you guys aren't even the same species. The entire song uh, is basically her talking about, uh, like, like violently assaulting some ex lover. Hmm. Um. There's a line in there where she says, I'll Lorena Bobbitt his ass. He'll never F again. That's like, uplifting. The tip of the iceberg. The whole song Just is the tip. filth, swearing, speaking graphically about mutilating this ex-boyfriend, um, effing everybody, all this stuff, right? But there's this... So, so Walsh plays, he's like, so Lizzo almost got herself canceled and had to apologize and change the lyrics of the song that she just released because of one word. Like, I'm going to play you 90 seconds of this song. Try to figure out which word it is. All right. And he hits play and <laughs> he hits play and about 10 seconds in, she says something like, uh, I don't even remember what she said, but she says, I'm an effing spaz. Spaz? Yeah, and as soon as she said the word spaz, because he had also set it up as like that, that these ableists, like she was labeled as ableist by the disabled community, right? So she says the word spaz, and immediately I was like, I bet that's the word. But then like 80 more seconds of the filthiest, foulest, most violent uh, sexual grotesquery you can imagine, including Lorena bobbiting this guy, right? 
And then, so he goes back to Walsh and he's like, so try to guess, which one was it? I'm all it. You think it was when she said, I, I'm going to, you know, Lorena bobbed his ass so he can't ever F again. Or do you think it was when she said this or that, or might see you in, you know, all these things. No, it was the word spaz. She got hate mail from people who suffer from like MS or some, something like that, that creates spasticity um, in like muscle spasticity. Spaz, apparently, according to some disabled persons rights group, is now um, a hateful slur basically as bad as the N-word. Okay, well, I'm not going to stop fact, saying it because that's idiotic. The my article dog is he, acting the crazy. Artic- I'm like, that dog's being a spaz. The article he found, I refer to my oldest daughter as a spaz all the time. She is one. Yeah. They refer to it as the S-word. And so she gets this, this avalanche of hate. She changes a brand new single, takes the word out and replaces it, and then issues a statement where she say, states in it, and this is like, this is oppression Olympics, like personified right here. She says, as a fat black woman, I am certainly no stranger to hateful, harmful words. So I deeply apologize. I didn't realize that this word caused such pain for some people. She called herself fat? Oh, she calls herself fat in the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, her fat is a badge of honor with this lady. Yeah, um, yeah but she, she called herself a fat black woman. And, you know, but, the, but understand, like, she was, double, she was throwing that out there to make sure to, you know, put two points on her, you know, social oppression hierarchy scale, right? Like, y'all don't forget, I'm a fat black lady, so I know all about <laughs> what it's like to be called names, right? But, but like, and I don't remember the exact verbiage, but she, also, she just went on to say, like, something about, you know, not offending people and how cautious she is to, like, be mindful of people's feelings and to convey a certain sense of love and respect. And I'm like, the whole song's about cutting a dude's junk off. <laughs> like, and that was Walsh's point. He's like, she, she's rapping, singing, whatever you would call it, about mutilating an ex-boyfriend or whatever. Man-hating. And 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 doing then and then going and whoring around town, and the the but like none of that is offensive or hateful or derogatory. The only thing that she felt compelled to change is the word "spaz." And I wonder if that in, in any way made her think a little bit about the left, like the far left. Like that, that, that she can release something so explicit and put one just what, what I think is just everyday English vernacular spaz, but quit being a spaz, you know, quit being a, so wild ass and then get canceled for that. <laughs> like, probably not, but maybe. Yeah, well, it kind of reminds me of what happened to Sarah Silverman a little while back. Remember, did you catch that? Sarah uh, Silverman, the former formerly halfway funny comedian. Yeah. What did she say? She said something that got her dog piled by the left uh, on the race topic. And then her next podcast was hilarious. Cause she was like, she was like, for God's sakes, like, I'm sorry. Like she was, 
you could tell she was exacerbated because the council mob had come for her, even though she had been, you know, the person up front with the torch on many, many cancellations. She got her first dose of like, oh, this, this leftist thing eats itself. This sucks. Man, there's like zero room for error here. Like, she, this is basically what she was saying. Like, wow, oh my God. Zero, I'm one of the biggest, staunchest, you know, uh, uh, allies that y'all have. And I made like I, one slip out of my mouth and I'm being canceled. WTF, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it does, it does one, eat itself. And it does, I guess they want it to lick itself. Which is a ray too. of hope. Yeah. Right. Well, no, no, no. Uh, it's not going to lick itself. It's not going to look itself. That's right. right. <laughs> um, oh, there was one other. Oh, so <laughs> this was in our group, oh. our group text of me and my brothers and just some lifelong friends from church, um, about half of whom have fallen away from God and, and are either agnostic or atheist. We all still play fantasy football. We play golf or whatever. We're all lifelong friends. Uh and we were, everyone was watching the U.S. play El Salvador last night, texting. And I texted, hey, look, the English team just suffered their worst home defeat since 1928, losing 4-0, 4-0, as the soccer players call it, 4-0 to Hungary. They were like, well, what, yeah, that sucks. What, what, what's that? Why is that relevant? I was like, oh, here's the picture of them all uh, kneeling with rainbow patches on their arms before the game. I was like, yeah. This is why they deserve to lose because we're, I thought we were past the kneeling phase of the national anthem stuff. Apparently not. We're still making, and they got, and my friend Justin was like, why don't you take politics out of our, our sports and jokes thread? And I said, I, he's, I'm looking for hot sports opinions. I was like, I thought that was a hot sports opinion. I was like, I'm, I couldn't be happier that they lost because they are not keeping politics and uh, virtue signaling out of sports. So anyway, just two different. It's funny yeah. just how they looked at my what I said as totally having nothing to do with sports. But I was like, but look at the picture. They're the ones kneeling in a sporting match. Right. Do you see the hypocrisy? Yep. Yep. They're perfectly within their rights to make their political statement, and you're out of line for uh, making yours. Rooting against them, yeah. You're the one soiling the sports uh, sports pleasure with your politics mm-hmm. by having a reaction to the team's politics. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, great, great trip to the beach. Um, I understand we might not have a show next week cause you're headed to the mountains for, for youth camp. So you're volunteering for that. With right. Like you said, I may be able to find a minute to jump do something short, but Sunday afternoon will be tough. We've got the lake. Uh, with my folks and my brother-in-law and sister and my grandparents, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, until Sunday morning, and then we leave that evening. And I'm gonna try to squeeze in our church life group that afternoon. Um, I have a feeling my wife is gonna. Say, but so you're gonna be busy weekend, on a bus with 50 junior high to high school kids. Yeah. yeah. And, y'all, and y'all are going overnight, like driving there in the nighttime. Yeah. That's yeah. gonna be. Yeah. Leaving Sunday night. 8 p.m. Miserable for you. Yep, heading to Estes Park to the YMCA facility up there. Really excited. Um, doing it this way means we'll get there, you know, really kind of before check-in and not miss any of the events that are planned because there's like 
it's a it's a national church organization, youth something something youth. So there'll be like more than one church there is all part of the same program. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, by by doing it this way, we won't miss any of that. The reality is because of the size of our group, we are taking a van. And initially I was told two of the other men had volunteered to drive the van. And so I just figured, okay, well, I'll probably ride in the bus so that, you know, we're kind of splitting up the, the manpower. Uh, but then the youth pastor reached out yesterday and kind of indicated maybe we should, since we're doing the full night drive, have a few more guys willing to ride. So my point is I'm thinking that I'm probably going to hop in the van and that will be my coach um, <laughs> to get there. So I'll have less than 50 mm. kids to listen to. Yeah. But I'll still just not be sleeping very well the whole way, which sucks. I well, it'll be a fun week and youth camp is always well. one of the best weeks of the year for, for someone that age. Um, yeah, there's no doubt are, to me that we're going to end up having an amazing time. But, my kids are at VBS this week, which is like the precursor to the fun youth camp stuff. You know, VBS was always a fun week for me too. Uh, growing up what let's get into some other stuff though uh what about i know inflation was something you want to talk about and i'm just looking back at this clip from our president this past week uh, going on and on and on about oh and the and the white house press secretary she's really great too the new one um about how many jobs they've created that the economy is humming and there's more small businesses asking for loans right now well, it's really easy to create jobs when everybody lost their jobs or quit working. And when all the, so many small businesses uh, shuttered their windows and closed their doors because, well, lockdowns. So you destroyed the economy, Joe. And now you're celebrating the fact that we have rebounded just a little bit, but it's a tick. And, but also we have the worst inflation. It just uh, hit another, it just broke another record, I think, yesterday of... Um, the, high, the, the biggest percent change in 40 years, like, what are we at? What is inflation at right now today? 8%? I think the report last Friday was like 86. 86. 8.7, maybe. I, dude, I'm not an economist. Uh, oh, we need to finance. So I don't understand any of that, but that's just like the way they report the number. But the true actual rate of inflation of goods is something more like 10 or 12 percent. And then you can break it down by certain types of good. I know I heard yesterday, I want to say they said milk is up 30 uh, percent. Obviously, gas prices are damn near double. Like, it, you know, it, it's a fallacy, I guess, is my point. It's a fake number. It's not even close to capturing the increased cost. Like Ashley the other day made a, a, a. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. <laughs> changing them for the worse, Joe, which is what you've done since you got in office, which is why my woke brother even admits that you're terrible. <laughs> so. Yeah. Just, you know what you do when your argument sucks is you just yell until you just back people down. Joe's been doing a lot of that. Grumpy old man screaming at us. Oh, dude. Yeah. I, I should have queued the audio up, but hopefully people have seen his appearance on Kimmel. <laughs> they went to he, Kimmel, interrupted the president of the United States mid sentence and said, We have to go to commercial break now. <laughs> the president, the leader of the free world, just got 
cut off mid sentence on a shitty like <clears throat> talk show. I have to circle back like Saki real quick. Something else from this Lizzo apology that's also that is relevant to this Kimmel bit. So there's a moment in the Kimmel thing where Joe's explaining how the media isn't the same anymore. It's all bias. And, and uh, I think Kimmel's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. And he goes, he's like, I, I know you. Un- I know you understand. He's like, you don't just understand. You overstand. You overstand it. Hmm. And there's like a giggle, right? And I did see like certain right-wing pundits try to make it out as though it was like a gaff, but it's clear in full context. He, he, it seems like he was being cute, right? Yeah. You overstand it. And I saw that and I, you know, I, I noticed the right-wing spin, noticed the joke for what it was, and it was just a stupid late-night joke, I thought, right? But then when Lizzo was, in fact, in, rel- re- in relation to the point where she was like, as a fat black woman, I, she actually didn't say I understand. She said, I overstand the pain caused by, uh, you know, by, by, by derogatory name calling, discrimination, et cetera. But she used the overstand phrase non-ironically or non-jokingly. And... I want everybody to just keep your ears out for this phrase overstand. But I have a feeling in lefty circles that this has been maybe brewing for a while, that when Joe made it as a joking reference, he wasn't joking out of his own ass and Lizzo's now copying him, but that he was actually parroting. Okay. The, it, the point so is we're going to see flags with I, I overstand. It's straight newspeak, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's a new word. And it's a phrase, it's a word that would be deliberately combative to try to disarm somebody, right? Like if you were to say, well, like, do you understand X, Y, and Z? And and then a leftist would be like, I overstand because I'm right? Mm. I'm a a trans, you know, Native American, Caribbean, African... No, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Holocaust survivor you know, uh, Buddhist monk or whatever. <clears throat> I, so I overstand the matter. Yeah. Meaning I overstand, I understand it more than you could ever possibly understand it. I overstand it. I live it. I, that's the, it's their lived experience. You don't know nothing right? about it. Keep an eye out for overstand is my point. Cause uh, it was like within three days, like Biden said, it sounded like a joke. And then Lizzo said it, not joke. Did you like the part where Biden said the, he started rambling. This is like right before he gets cut off about advertisements and what's on TV today and how he said there's clicking you, on the nightly news or something you, to that effect. You, you don't see interracial ads anymore. Like <laughs> that's the only thing when you was see. The last time you saw an interracial couple. Yeah. I was just like, what is, what is he talking about? He doesn't Lord help him. He has dementia. Very bad. Uh, hey, I mean, you're, you're mocking an Alzheimer's patient man. what more. I mean, gee, you is. Heartless bastard. I know. I know. Uh, here's one from The View, which I, I love playing The View. I, I know it annoys you, but I don't care. I just, I, I think it's just comedic gold. So I'm going to play this because it's, it's brilliant. I don't remember which, what this lady's name even is, but uh, there's one point is when. Behar? No, it's, it's, she's African American. She's actually an attractive yeah. lady, but. Like all of yeah, them, she's no, obviously she's, a, yeah. she's fat too because that's what they are and they're into that. 
uh, Whoopi. They fat, being the view ladies. Joy, the, view, the view ladies. Fat. This lady. Right. Fat. There might be one skinny. Megan McCain could probably you know do with a few less donuts and a few more miles on the treadmill. Back so when anyway, she was on the show. She. Uh, this Remember is when they had the chick from Survivor? No. The blonde chick from Survivor that was if, the conservative. If we weren't doing the show when that chick was on there, then I don't really know anything about because I only I only pay attention now because they. they were, those, I think she might have been nuggets. on the original cast. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Former, you know, twice impeached, disgraced president. He he's such a young spring chicken. I mean, he's going to be seventy eight uh, when when Joe Biden is eighty one. And so I don't like this ageism argument. But I will say, yeah, I when he was here, I asked him. He works out every day. Yeah, I don't think Trump does. Take a look. Yeah, I mean, take a look. you fat. Lion. You know, um, Democrats that, that have uh, tons of verve and energy. I mean, I like Gavin Newsom because he's really pretty to look at. And I think he does a great job in California. Um, I like Kamala uh, Kamala and Pete Buttigieg. I love um, Pete ticket. Buttigieg. I, love I think him. that looks yeah. great. Do you think um, they could win, really? Well, I would vote for them. Of course, I, I hope would. this country is ready for something like that. Um, I think the brain power alone would, would just uh, obliterate. <laughs> and I would just love to... Can you believe that? Well, I think that my favorite part was when that fat ass joy interjects that Biden works out and Trump doesn't just look at him like she's ever gone to the gym. If, if they run Buttigieg and Kamala, dude, that would be awesome. That'd be amazing. It would be awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Do it. Or Newsom and either one of them. But Love it. the qualifications that. for that Gavin Newsom is he looks pretty. And yeah, he's doing well, so that, a great job was, in California. Such a great job that California had he, the first negative population trend right. in their history since the gold rush. And LA That's how is great a he's doing. Legitimate war zone. Yeah. And yeah, leftists are being ousted from positions left and right. My favorite part was when that lady said that about Newsom being pretty. And there, what sounded like a dude, one gay guy in the, in the crowd goes, woo! But... And then she's like, and I think he's doing a really jo good job in California, and it was crickets. So, like, even the View's moronic audience wasn't able to muster positive feelings for Gavin Newsom. They were like... When she yeah. said that... From what I hear, California's to, a dumpster flare. They panned to joy whenever she said that, and she... You can't see, that because th that was just audio, but in the video, joy looked like the lady talking was insane. Like Joy was like, wait a second, you just well, said he's doing a great that, job. Like, that's you cut her face, and then she week, had to catch herself because she's like, wait, wait a second, I ha I should agree with that, but I know that it's right. it's a lie. <laughs> right. Which which is hilarious because Joy had the same thing done to her last week when she said something to the effect of, when once once Black Americans get guns, then the right will be ready for gun control. Oh yeah, and it's yeah. like, what? What? Like, and there was a black lady on the set, and I don't know if it's the same one that's the regular host. Or yeah. There was a there was a lady on that was the other day that I think was a, a black lady that was coming at everything from a conservative perspective. So it might have been her. But they panned to this one lady, and she's like, looking at her, just like, "What the hell did you just say?" Who do you think is committing all of the homicides in America? It's uh, like, well, I mean, let's be let's call a spade a spade. Don't tell me that the black people don't have guns when they're when they are 14 percent of the population and they're committing i mean it was like two days after the something percent to your of point 
all homicides. So don't tell me that the black people do not have guns. It's a slap in the face to black people, too, though, not just the gangbangers, but, dude, but the legal like, gun owners like, being like, wait a second, we're too going back to we don't have ID cards. You think we're too stupid to exercise our well, second you know your, amendment? You right? know, your statistics, your statistics are racist. Everybody knows it. They know it. They don't even know the statistics because statistics as a concept. That's is why the uh, but the Oklahoma shooter like at the hospital. That's why that went out of the news because the guy was black. Two. It was like two days after a black man shot up a, a surgeon and like three other people at a hospital. Yeah, mm. no, it was a ridiculous, absurd, stupid. It was a racist thing it, to like, say. It just, just like, dumb. What? Just oh, dumb. black people. The Second Amendment's not for black people. That's part of why. I'd, like, it's not irrelevant. I go back and forth on it. It's an it's an agenda based program, but they're so effing dumb. Like anybody who takes anything at all from the view at this moment in time is a lost cause. Maybe there's hope for them. But it's fun to, to, right, to, to, uh, if, to play if, the audio. If right now they're listening to the view. If they're even just watching it. No, it's funny. They're, they're great for buying, for sure. Great fodder for outfits like ours. So uh, did you know about this? Shifting gears here. In 2009, and I just came across this because I was, for some reason, looking at like, I don't know, I was up watching ESPN late last night. It was like, oh, I remember as a kid watching the Cubs on WGN and the Braves on uh, TN, not T, T, what is it, TNN? I don't know what, one of the Ted Turner. TBS, I think, is the Braves. TBS, yeah, yeah sorry, TBS. And uh, so I was looking at that and then I was like, what, what Ted Turner's up to? He's also the second largest private landowner in the country. And I'm going in uh, late August to New Mexico and we'll be camping and fishing with my dad and brothers on a ranch that he owns, by the way. And then they close it for elk season. They do private elk hunts. But so I'm looking at his Wikipedia. In 2009, Ted Turner met with other business moguls to include Oprah, Bill Gates, George Soros, David Rockefeller and others to address issues ranging from the environment to healthcare. The group also addressed population growth with discussions of vaccines and immunization efforts being criticized due to the perception that decision-making in public policy could be directed by a handful of elites. Bro, 2009. Yep. 2009. Turner was notorious on the, on, on the uh, pro population control. Mm. Uh, effort <clears throat> yeah so i didn't you know i didn't I, we had talked about another simulation rendezvous of these people but i think it was after 2009 when they did that other which we've documented on the show i can't remember yeah well these pandemic things there was one in there was the one in october 20 no 19 so just months yeah really just one month before covid showed up in in on the west coast as later on you know it was later determined we all started hearing about it late January or February and the world went apeshit in March, but it was, you know, later determined to have hit the West coast as early as November. The other one before that, I think was 2015, the one they called operation dark winter. But to your point, there's been like three of them. Just, and just one in 2000, you know, where they modeled these pandemics. Uh, speaking of these asshole elitists that think that we're all peons, uh, the EU came out this week. I sent that text to you uh, with the decision to exempt private and corporate jets from green aviation fuel tax. 
So the the richest people in the world, dude, now amazing, no longer feel like they need to be taxed for flying their private jets all over. Yeah, God's they're the, they're the ones that are trying to raise fuel prices to the point where everybody middle class and below is stuck at home, but they're going to make sure that they get to keep flying their private jets because they got places to be, bro. Mm. They're important. So they're flying for yeah, free. It's pretty staggering. No, no tax on them. This is just mind-blowing. Elites. I have all the money in the world, but no, we don't want to pay taxes. The rest of you can pay your pay taxes when you fly. Commercial. Not us. Uh, you saw that the U.S. Maybe you didn't see this because I just read it on CNN today. I know. CNN. Uh, keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. But CNN is going to, or they're reporting here, uh, the article pulled up, U.S. toddlers could soon be vaccinated against COVID. Here's why this is a big moment in the pandemic. It's written by Rob Pachetta, <laughs> and it was released today, Wednesday, June 15th. Oh, yes, my friend. It is now going to be permissible for toddlers three and under six months to three years old will be getting their COVID vaccinations. Why are we still doing this? Oh, oh, dude, here's another great moment from the beach with my brother, Chisholm. I asked him, I said, hey, in your circle, are people getting booster shots? And he goes, no, that's not really a thing anymore. (laughs) No, I'm glad to know that we're not so far behind the times that we didn't. COVID almost killed your mom. You're, you're, you and my sister threw me to the wolves for not getting vaccinated, even though I'd had COVID two times. And, and now you guys aren't even getting your boosters. You're like, you're, you're done with it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're, that's not really a thing. I should have put his feet to the fire for that, but I think somebody walked up. up. Yeah, it was, uh, man. I I think that's the, I think that's the mindset now amongst, because he's runs in a super woke group of friends. And if none of them are, and I was curious to know, are, are, are these people still getting these stupid shots? No, but then here's our government saying, well, yeah, we three, six months to three year olds should think about getting their COVID vaccines. Which brings me to what I told you about after our last call. I didn't bring up Mo's theory on this in our last call, right? On the population control. No, I don't think that so. was in a personal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exchange we had. Y'all get ready to go down a dark, dark <laughs> rabbit hole right here. <laughs> rabbit hole alert! We need a rabbit hole alert. <clears throat> so it's also, I think I, I apologize for your audio quality. Chisholm's didn't. Oh yeah, we were supposed to mention that. You had a little family health issue going on. It was very busy, so didn't have time to get a new microphone. But he'll get it sorted out for next time. I also have a whole lot less discretionary income thanks to Brandon oh. and White House policies <laughs> driving inflation. So, you know, a good microphone's not cheap. <clears throat> yeah. um, <laughs> all right. So I think we've highlighted probably many times that if, if you look at the war on climate change, uh, the war on the unborn vis-a-vis abortion, the war on children vis-a-vis transgender grooming, um, 
Probably just those three, I guess. Oh, well, and then maybe the fact that vaccines are killing people and sterilizing them. Oh, well, certainly in the fact that they released a man-made pandemic on us in the first place. Those last two may be the most tenuous. The first three, pretty undeniable. <clears throat> I'm pretty much a believer in all five. But either way, there's a common thread there. They all seem like at a glance, like, boy, this is whoa, we're just all over the place, right? What, what, what the hell? Why are we leftists into this random grab bag of things? Well, you just touched on it. The reason is that they're all aimed at controlling the population because mankind is evil and they're all like either, you know, atheists or like nature loving pagans or whatever and somehow think that, you know, that nature would be a perfect harmony but for man. So we got to get rid of some people. Useless eaters, as Prince Andrew calls us. Um, so, so there's an agenda and not even, I mean, they, they say it, right? Bill Gates said it in his 2014 Ted talk. We need to control the population. I got a great idea. We'll create a bunch of vaccines and we'll, we'll get African people better vaccinated because, and that'll somehow control their population because healthy people have less babies. Like, it, and if that doesn't work, we'll just sterilize a bunch of them. And either way, we'll get the same outcome. That seems to be the unstated part, right? But the, the point that Mo made, so Mo Facts, who I talk about all the time, on like early, like a week, an episode last week after we recorded, he'd kind of hinted at this once and had me thinking. But he really dove down this rabbit hole in that last episode. He threw out there the, the, the idea that whoever is really the ultimate string pullers here, right? And the truth, like your brother, Jansen, not woke brother. I think if you were to ask Jansen, Jansen, who controls the world? He would tell you something like 12 to 13 super elite families that are the descendants of reptile aliens. He likes to throw in the word cabal when that's brought up. Okay, right. But it's, is that my right about the number? It's roughly 12 to 13, maybe 15, like super families, the Rockefellers. And, yes, uh, yes. 100%. Remember the ones from Europe? Yeah, the bankers from the 1500s in Europe. Um, the, the, the royal family, right? <clears throat> the, they're the ones that are pulling the strings. I mentioned the other day Cargill, right? Nobody in America knows the name Cargill, but Cargill is the second largest food producer in this country behind Tyson. You just don't see Cargill branded stuff very often because it's all branded one of 300 other, other you know, uh, either either they're a supplier to someone or they own all these brands for specific marinades and salad dressings and beef products and whatever, right? Um, but the Cargill family is a, it's a privately owned multi, multi, multi-billion dollar megalith. Anyway, what would their... Like, if you were going to try to knock the population of the world down, how would you go about it, right? Would you would you want to kind of haphazardly do it? Um, would you want to dangerously do it where you, where you lose a bunch of smart people? Or would you want to sort of, like, pull the herd in a targeted fashion where you maybe improve the overall genetics? Probably the latter, right? Mm. I mean, the people, if you're, if you're in control and you're going to be one of the chosen few who gets to sustain and you're the one calling the shots and presumably you want to surround yourself with people who are productive, right? 
We've already established that the left are eugenics, eugenicists going all the way back to Woodrow Wilson in the late 19, 19 teens, World War One era. He was a eugenicist. Margaret Sanger, who founded Planned Parenthood, was a proud eugenicist. The Planned Parenthood Foundation, the entire organization, practices eugenics. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg spoke basically in eugenics terms when she said in an interview once that she doesn't understand why right-wingers are so against abortion because we're aborting the, you know, the right type of people and right. what she thought would be a conservative's opinion. Make that of it what you wish, right? <clears throat> so he says, if you wanted to sterilize a generation so that they couldn't contribute to the gene pool going forward and you could, you know, take a chunk out of population growth. This would be a good generation to sterilize. <laughs> well, more specifically, because we're not all succumbing to it, right? There are plenty of 20 and 30 year olds who are never going to let these groomer bastards anywhere near their kids, right? Because they have brains and can think for themselves. Would you not want to sterilize the kind of idiots who would transition a seven-year-old? If you wanted to control the population through damaging vaccines, would you not want to maybe go after the people who, like sheep and lemmings, just blindly line up to take your experimental gene therapy? Um, if you wanted to control the population through abortion, would you not want to see who's willing to like cheer on people who tear eight month old pregnancies apart? The people who are buying into all of these things seem to be maybe the kind of people, if you were a eugenicist, that would be the kind that you might want to take out of the gene pool. A so maybe little, little touchy subject just because my wife is vaccinated, but you know, I know lots of people that at least are vaccinated. Too. At least she my, doesn't listen though. At so. least my kids have me. <laughs> when everyone that's vaccinated starts dropping, she's not getting flies. your kids vaccinated though, right? Did that conversation never happened in this house? She regretted, right. you know. She took it because it was, you know, frontline first ones available. It was like a mad rush to get vaccinated. She then she got me put on some list as like, well, you have. Your your family of a first you know a front um, frontline worker so you can get on the list too and I'm like no we just well, have hey, I'm not doing I, that I acknowledge that of the five I listed that was one of the two that was the most tenuous and at the moment at the moment we don't have a lot of evidence indicating that you'll be sterile from taking it uh, oh she's are, already sterile anyway there are a high number of miscarriages from people who took the shots while they were pregnant but. It's, it's, Unless the shots reverse things. the tubal, then we're good there. Right. Well, I mean, that's so to that point, right? Who knows where, what her mindset would have been had it been six years ago or, or whatever, I guess, nine years ago before y'all were done having kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'd have had a different opinion of it, right? But, yeah. I mean, you know, we were all right at that. I mean, we were really about 10 years shy of it, but certainly at the age of 40, you're in your odds of severe complications started going up. 50 goes up substantially, and over 60 is 80% of all the severely sick people were over 60 years old, right? But anyway, that's not <laughs> – um, this, this is Mo's opinion. 
it hasn't been proven as a population control mechanism just yet. Um, so put that one aside. Uh, grooming your your, your four-year-old to become trans or LGBTQRS or how about those other options? It, 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 there's there's something to it, and it'd be interesting because like they're promoting it as the right way of doing things, but kind of like how we just said, leftism eats itself. Um, won't all these things? What is the word for? So obviously, these girls that are transitioning into boys, they have mastectomies, double mastectomies, which is usually what a woman who has breast cancer gets. What is it called when a boy chops his wiener off? What is the version of that? Is there well, a- we heard from the lady on what is a woman that if he replaces it with a a man-made vagina, then it's called a vaginoplasty. Mm. But I think it was over the weekend I learned that there's something new hot off the presses. I don't remember what it's called, but there's, it's more aligned with what you just asked, which is to just cut off everything and just have a like no genitalia. Just have a that's, urethra that's that just is exposed. I don't know how it works. But so there's nothing. not a technical term for dick chopping. There probably is. Um when we when we actually like start yeah. making money on this show, we'll have a producer and we'll say, "Hey, we're never Tony, make money on this show. Tony, figure out what the technical term for dick lopping is." <laughs> we're never going to make money. I heard you say that under your breath, but we're not in it to make money. <laughs> don't don't care. Although somebody on Instagram did say they wanted to send us something, if it was a value for value. So I know, I know. We need, we need the to get thought going. Uh, is what counts. It's on my list, I assure you. It's called a penectomy. Oh, a penectomy, of course. I mean, obviously, right? Penectomy is penis removal through surgery, generally for medical or personal reasons. Hmm. Or you could just ask Lizzo for her help. You're going to lay out on me? That was a great joke. Dude, I was reading something terrible. What would you say? Sorry. I said you could just ask Lizzo to help you. Seems to be quite uh, quite excited to do so. <laughs> oh yeah, this is what it's called: gen- gen- genital nullification. Yeah, yeah. Gendertherapist.com. Uh. On gendertherapist.com, we were doing so great. To- we were go- doing so great getting away from transgender stuff, and then and then I had to bring it genital- back. Genital nullification. No, no. But this is important, man, because if you thought that this was weird enough. You need to know about genital nullification. Remember, so this is like the modern, this is like the 2022 version of a eunuch. Is that what this is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, in you, fact, you, they say that. You turn yourself that into an asexual person? Genital, genital nullification or eunuch procedures involve the removal of testes or all external genitalia to create a smooth transition from abdomen to groin. Why, let me aligncurgical.com. Aligncurgical.com. This is a San Francisco based surgical clinic. Nullification. The Align Surgical team is thrilled to announce that Dr. John Pang is joining our practice all 2022. While many patients might be interested in transitioning into either a male or a female identity, there are plenty of individuals 
who feel that their gender identity does not quite conform in one direction or the other. Gender nullification surgery can enable non-conforming patients to enjoy a relatively smooth genital area. Nullification creates a relatively continuous and mostly unbroken transition from the abdomen down into the genital area, enabling gender non-conforming patients to enjoy a body that looks closer on the outside to the way that they feel on the inside. You know what one of my favorite parts about being a guy is? About the 10 seconds that ejaculation lasts in orgasms. And you want to tell me that people just want to get rid of that? Like, if you're, I don't, like, I, gay people still, I mean, they're not mutilating their bodies. They're still enjoying, and that's one of the best parts about being human, are those feelings. And these people want to mutilate themselves to where they can't ever experience that pleasure again. Dude. Why would you want to do that? Uh, I, I love me some ejaculation. We, we, we've been talking about, about the actual removal, but what did we learn about Lupron, the gender, the puberty blocking hormone? That thing alone chemically castrates you. This whole trans movement, how can anybody deny that it's got some kind of population control underlying agenda. Genital nullification. Well, I guess they could always still use their mouth and their hands to pleasure other people, but you ain't getting pleasured yourself anymore. I'm selfish. I want it to be a two-way street. That's ridiculous. feel bad for these people. Getting off's the best. Um, the Catholic Church, you saw that piece that I sent you? Catholic Church really doing some weird things these days, Chisholm. This is the deal about um, how sinful it was for men to expect women to submit or whatever. Yes. This is uh, the headline from the article I sent you. is Vatican Cardinal. Subordination of women to men is fruit of sin. Catholic Church. What does it say in Ephesians chapter five? What does it say there? Uh, boy, that's a that's a sticky wicket, though, isn't it? What does it say, though? Like, what does your wife think about about Ephesians chapter five? My wife. It's in the Bible, so I mean, her opinion of it, I guess, doesn't really matter. But I am well, you and I, like, neither one of us interpret the Bible as one hundred percent literal. I'm more inclined to look at the New Testament in more of a little literal sense than the Old Testament. Um. I, I, I think, even though I don't interpret every single thing as literal, I believe that there is truth behind most of it. If you, you understand what I'm saying, like, it comes from a, a place of truth. Like, if, if that was God's will, women, wives, submit to your husbands as the spiritual head of the household. But then it, it's, not a real, it's not a real, like, one-sided couple of verses, because the very next thing says, men... Love your wives as yourself because you are one flesh. Like, right. I don't, it's not, yes, it's very traditional. Um, but I think a lot of, a lot of women that have faith expect their husband to be the spiritual leader of the household. My mom actually was talking to me on our trip. She's like, your dad and I still pray every day together. He usually says the prayers out loud. 
I don't add much. We just hold hands and pray. He's my spiritual leader. That's the way it's always been. And that's the way that I want it. Awesome. Yeah, dude. I mean, prays I, out, I, when we I pray think... out loud in our house, it's me that prays out loud. I think that, um, that that passage is one that can and many and, 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 and certainly has been used by anti-Christians, uh, atheists, you know, Satanists, whatever else to, uh, to undermine the Christian faith. Um, because to the point you sort of started off with, I think that if you read it in a vacuum, then it's very, very clear, very patriarchal. But that's usually um, where it ends when they when they're examining it is women submit to men or wives submit to your husband. And then that's the end of the they don't they don't go into the next three or four verses that talk about right. how it's you your flesh has become one and you must honor your wife in the same way that you would honor yourself. So didn't mean to cut you off there, but it is that's where the conversation ends. They don't they they take it completely out of context, in my opinion. You know, we run about an hour and 20 minutes already, and this is a conversation I would love to really devote some time to because it's a, there's so many ways to sort of analyze it, right? Like starting from a purely physical standpoint, you know, in Genesis, Adam and Eve were told, told to go forth and multiply, right? And most Judeo-Christians take that as a modern day you know, mandate to, you know, get together, man and woman, become one, have babies. And have some children orgasms. are the actual, like, physical manifestation of you two becoming one, right? Um, the reality is that simply to copulate, to have sex, a woman must submit because just mechanically that's how that works, right? Like, mm-hmm. Otherwise, otherwise it's rape, right? Like it has to be that she lets this happen, right? You're talking about the penetration. I'm talking about physically, yes. Like to have sex, <laughs> a man and a woman. The woman has to allow, right? I just try to make you be a way of defining submit, right? But then, so so there's like a biological reality to it. Yes, I said biological reality. But there's even more biological basis for the concept if you talk about it from the spiritual leadership perspective the head of the household perspective because historically speaking a man is the provider protector right and the woman you know is the is the caregiver the nurturer right Mm -hmm. and so when push comes to shove, which of those positions is the one to naturally make the decision and be the leader of this is the direction we have to head, right? It'd be the the protector and the provider and the caregiver comes along to pro- continue providing care in this new direction you're headed, right? Now, that can sound super sexist. But to me, when you finish out the passage to your point and you read that men love your, your you know, we're, we're mandated to love our wives as though as we love ourselves. Doesn't it say, or is this a different passage? As oh, that, Christ that, that's the in there. It's, 
Yeah, as Christ loved the church, right? So mm-hmm. the to me, you can't love a person in that way without listening to them, seeking their counsel, respecting them. They should have input, right? And, you know, I think 95% of the time, it's not a matter of submission because hopefully if you have a decent marriage, you're on relatively the same page on things, right? So if it's a true mandate, as literal as it sounds, and maybe it really only applies like when push comes to shove, like we're at a stalemate, what do we do, right? Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for right. her to make her holy, right. cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. See, there's a sacrificial element to it, right? Exactly. Man, you're, su- male, men, you're supposed to sacrifice something of yourself for her. But all you're going to hear submit, from the, the anti, to the, from the, right. the negative perspective is verse 22. Wives, submit to your, some, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. But they'll, they won't even put in the as you do to the Lord. They will end it with wives submit yourselves to your own husbands. And right. Yet, yet we're called to sacrifice ourselves for her. And, and that's not uh, noble and a comparable trade-off. Right. And it's right. not what do maybe those, those two things aren't mutually exclusive, right? Like when if, if someone was breaking into your house, Chisholm, would you expect your wife to pick up the Glock and go deal with it? Or would you, or would most men be like, that's my job. I'm the protector here. Well, we know it's a rhetorical question, right? Okay. So, I mean, yeah, well, and the reality is, man, that, that most, most women, I think most, I, uh, I mean, I guess it's regional, right? Certainly most women of faith, they want a man who is the archetype, who is competent and grounded and authoritative and ready to do battle, but to also woo them and love them and to, to lead them. Like, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because somebody has to lead. But again, I think if you're talking about the sacrificial aspect of the, the you know, as you go into the rest of that passage and the love aspect, aspect, it's not asking you to submit to an abusive asshole, mm-hmm. right? And there is a, obviously a level of of reciprocal reciprocal submission in the idea that you're to sacrifice something for her, right? You don't get to have her submit to you unless you're sacrificing to her, which means you're seeking her counsel, you're loving her fully and wholly the way Jesus loves the church, right? And, and then in times of, in moments in time, like, the, again, sometimes a woman, if you love her properly, is going to, not sometimes, often, most of the time, in fact, I would argue, going to point something out and you're going to be like, yep, you're right. That's the right way to do that. Right. Oh, that happens a lot when with parenting, because I'll be super, I'm saying I'm not callous towards my, I mean, I love my kids. I, you know, I'm very affectionate. I'm physical with them, but like, I'm like, "Mm, no, fuck it up. Stop crying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not (laughs) listening to you while you're whining. And she's my, my wife, but cable, she's, she's really hurt. Okay. I'm like, uh." right. Or, or, you know, there's various other things like, that that is a part of everyday life and every uh, family dynamic. But one hundred percent, dude. There's all kinds of areas, not just with the kids, where we end up deferring to the women in our lives because they're right. 
So it's a two-way street, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, mm. it, it's not you had to your. It's your. It's the point you're making. If you take the whole thing in context and understand what it means to sacrifice oneself and to love another, truly love another, then you realize that's not just saying women serve men. That's not what it's saying. Mm-hmm. But so, what? What is? The, why is the Catholic Church doing this? It, to me, it's just well Cause because they've gone woke. We're woke. They've got a woke. Yeah, they're woke. And I, I don't know, man. Maybe there's something lost in translation. Maybe there's a whole lot more. I read the article. Story, I don't worry, but whenever it was I pretty start much seeing like yeah. 500 years of apologies for right. basically it's, it's a it's a it's a woke virtue message. signal on on Western patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crap. Which I got to me, uh, you know what you I might as well for you. you might as well uh, just be right in sync with BLM, who's trying to destroy the family unit as well, if that's your take, Catholic Church? Uh, I think they were. No, I mean, yeah, I'm they are, positive for sure. They were, they were all for all that, yeah. We got a pop quiz. Someone today has been diagnosed with COVID. If there's one person in America that, um, how do I even put this? Like, What's the first name you would think of that would be like hysterically ironic to be double vaxxed, boosted, and COVID positive? Fauci. Ding, 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 ding. He got COVID? <laughs> How dark is it that I find that hilarious? You both find that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, on Wednesday, Anthony S. Fauci, MD, director of the NIAID. Tested positive for COVID-19 on a rapid antigen test. This came in a statement from the NIH. Wow. Oh, God, he's been boosted twice. He's double boosted. First positive diagnosis since the thing began. Here's my question for you. Oh, oh, God, and he's symptomatic. So I nailed your double, pop quiz. Double boosted. This MFR has supposedly had four shots. I, I nailed your pop he's, quiz. It was, it was too easy. You teed it up for me. I smashed it out of the park. Well, that's mixing golf and baseball. You threw it right down the pipe, and I smashed it over the left field fence. Anyway, here's my question for you. Have all of these elitist assholes really been vaccinated? Because based off of your five um, things you're talking about and, and Mo's take on population control, yada, 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 do we really believe that these elitists have been vaccinated because i'm inclined i'm inclined to say no i don't think that they have been i think it's just been a shame great and astute question and my answer is most of them yes you remember back many many months ago when i said one of these days clinton's gonna burn for all the trump russia blah 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 because nobody's above the party right yeah and then she'll make a valuable scapegoat biden's gonna end up a scapegoat too probably kamala um, Fauci is 81 years old, long past his, well, okay. The cabal that your brother talks of, uh, they know there's another Fauci waiting in the wings somewhere to get their hooks into for their nefarious agendas. He's totally expendable, totally expendable. So it, it, it's still a, an individual decision and that goes to the heart of most point, right? 
if Fauci buys at all his BS, I would say, yes, he did. Um, if he didn't, it's not because he had, he's part of an even larger cabal than, than the 12 families or whatever that run the world, but, but some sort of like nefarious underground, like my guess is Fauci actually is double vaxxed and double boosted. Uh, Gavin Newsom just contracted COVID for the second time since being boosted. Uh, so did, uh, that cat up in Canada. Those are dumb men. They're useless in the long game of the universe. Both of those guys, Newsom and, and, um, Castro Jr. What's his name? Trudeau. The Canadian prime minister. Yeah, that guy. Um, but interestingly, you know, one of the least vaccinated, uh, uh, demographics in the country are people with master's degrees and higher. Did you know that? Mm. Like the higher level, you, and you might think it was the opposite, right? That, that there's a level of indoctrination that comes liberal indoctrination that comes with higher education, but the, but the higher level of education people achieve, the less likely they have been to be vaccinated. Well, thank God my, my little old bachelor's degree saved me. <laughs> which took me well, but it took you I like, had a very it took you illustrious like eight years, right yeah, i mean it took i could like have eight done. years to get it so you might as well yeah. right you were highly yeah it was like the same as getting an md <laughs> <laughs> oh god anyway i don't know it's a it's a question we'll never be able to answer yeah but i, I certainly look forward to listening to him spin it mm-hmm. i was right. just on the phone earlier today with somebody who is brilliant would certainly not be the kind of person you would want uh, removed from the gene pool. In fact, he's a listener, uh, and so he'll know who I'm talking about. Who I'm talking about. He'll know whether I'm talking about him. Um, to his credit, he was meticulous from day one about how to address this, diving so far into the data that he figured out at some point that the data indicated that the longer you spaced out shots one and two, the better the, the overall outcome seemed to be. And that's all like legitimate. There is a protective benefit to these shots within the first, what is it, like 60 days? And yeah. then it like falls off a cliff. And so if you recall, they were saying, get them, I think, 12 weeks apart. And he looked at it and said, it'd be way better to space, space them out twice that far or, or something. Mm. I don't remember how all the numbers and days work out. But anyway. Uh, and he waited a long time after they were available for men our age to get them. Uh, my point is, he and his wife, I think, and his kids all tested positive here in the last couple of weeks and were wholly, completely asymptomatic the whole time, zero. Which, you know, I would tend to then say, yeah, BS test, except that um, I know his sister and she actually got sick and her husband actually got sick and her child actually got sick and their parents actually got sick. So yeah. uh, maybe his um, uh, scientific methodical approach to accepting the vaccines into his life actually really did pay dividends. I don't know. Well, and I don't know who it is we're talking about, but I would also say if you made it through, <laughs> you don't know him, so. if you made it through COVID that long, why at the end of it, get the vaccine? Like, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. Obviously, he did a very, very thorough, and 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 going back to what we've always said, it should be your own choice whether you wanted to get it or not. So he made what he thought was the right choice for him. I respect that, but it does seem weird that if you 
held out for a year and a half and then suddenly tried decided that, yeah, I'm going to get the vaccine. I don't know. Well, it wasn't a year and a half from the point the vaccines were available. Okay. It, it hasn't, it's only been, it's only been a year and a half since they were available for the first people who got them at this point. Right. Yeah. I remember because it was like tiered, right? Like initially they were available, I think, for elderly people and like high risk frontline people, like job front, right? All that. And then there was, and they like brought it down by age block, basically. And mm-hmm. so, um, um let me probably about a year ago that he got okay. the first of them, as far as I recall. I'm going to end it with this and, and why I was so glad that I didn't have to bring up, I think, why I asked my brother about the thought on vaccine and his inner circle on COVID vaccines was because I was going to smash him in the face with the Walgreens stats. If he was like, yeah, we're getting boosted, bro. <laughs> but I didn't have to, cause they were like, no, we don't, we think that's not a thing anymore, but well, it's no longer I'm, just on Walgreens website. ABC's having to confront it and CNN's having to confront it. The news organizations yeah. are starting to have to actually point out like, Hey, there's some really funky data that says the more shots you have them, more chance you have of catching it. Uh, so what does that mean? There was a CNN, uh, you know, clip last week about it where the interviewer is like, he, he asked the question that you and I asked a month ago, which is, is this mostly because unvaccinated people aren't getting tested? Like trying to lead the witness. And yeah, anyway. Yeah. But that wasn't um, even Walgreens data. That's just all the data, CDC yeah. data, actually. Uh, Mayra or Myra? I don't know how she pronounces her name. Flores, Myra, Myra, uh, just won a house, a Texas house seat in the Valley, by the way, on Musk voted for. Yeah. And that was a, that, that was a district that had been held by Democrats for, I believe a hundred years, Chisholm. Yeah. A hundred. 84% of Panic voted for Clinton. Uh, by like a 16 point margin in 2016. Yeah. Well, she's Hispanic and just want, but now weirdly enough, the incumbent just like said, I'm out of here and he's going to work in the private sector. And so they had a special election. She won, defeated the Democrat, uh, challenger, but she'll have to go and win again in November. But, uh, I thought the remainder of his term. Yeah. Yeah. It's encouraging though, that she was able to flip that, that district there. Turn it red, dude. I have I said so. Suck it, Beto. So long before I even had a clue about any of the things I understand now, or that I think I understand now. Um, that you know, Hispanics are naturally conservatives, and it doesn't make sense that they vote for Democrats. And it's like it just took them going so far left that it it was un, it was no longer deniable, you know. I, I was listening to the Tim Pool show just earlier, and he has two Hispanic, Latino. They kind of identified themselves in three different forms. So, at never at any point did they call themselves Latinx, as AOC mm-hmm. pronounces it. <clears throat> but they said, like, you know, you go down to the, this guy. He may have been from Texas. He, I, I haven't caught that part yet, but he's like, he's clearly plugged into Hispanic culture and their political, and the political arena and the, sway of the Hispanic population on the politics, right? So he's familiar with the dynamics of the Rio Grande Valley. And he's like, you know, it is an interesting place because you go down there and they want a border wall, which is 
counterintuitive to any leftist in America. Dude, Even Myra Flores' husband is a border patrol agent. <laughs> right. Dude, they don't like this crap at all because uh-huh. they're here. They're happy to be here. They don't want to be there, and they don't want all the crap that comes with migration from south of the border because it hits them first. Illegal. And migration. I mean, they're, they're, they're literally in the borderland. They're in a place yeah. where you know, drug cartel violence can absolutely spill into Nuevo Laredo or Matamoros or, you know, Del Rio or, or wherever. But the point the guy made was they want a wall, but they're also, they also want a $15 minimum, minimum wage. And they may also want, you know, uh, universal health care, right? So they're, they're unique in that they're, they're really on the fence issue by issue. Mm-hmm. But he said, He's like, I'm telling you, he's like, I, I talked to my family, friends of mine. He's like, nothing has driven these people more insane than Latinx and uh, critical race theory were the two things he specifically named. And he goes, I'll be honest with you. He's like, most of my family isn't even down with, you know, gay marriage yet. <laughs> you know, like socially faith-based conservative people, big time. A lot for a long time, they voted based on things like minimum wage, things like labor unions, thing you know, because they're working. You know, many, most of them are working. Most, I don't know, a huge percentage of American Hispanics are working class folks, right? So the old school Democrat Party appealed to them, but the woke version of it, they were like, "F your fifteen dollar minimum wage. You're not grooming my kids into becoming transgendered." Mm. Hmm. Well, we will see how that I mean, the Rio Grande Valley went went for Trump, and there's no reason whatsoever to expect that that trend does not continue. They're sick of it. Uh, sick of it. And all right. I am going to I'm go so to the excited. gym, but first of all, give me something to listen to, a podcast to listen to that I should check out and our listeners should check out as well. I'm glad you asked. <clears throat> I'd like to propose something. JRE episode, the one that's uh, been like already three episodes back. I didn't feel like bothering you on your vacation about it. But I would like to do, maybe we can squeeze it in before I leave. I'd like to do a whole, uh, a whole show diving into his discussion with Bobby Azarian. Okay. Episode 1829, 1829. So Bobby Azarian is a, it describes it here in the Spotify app, a cognitive neuroscientist and author of a book coming out later this month, The Romance of Reality, How the Universe Organizes Itself to Create Life, Consciousness, and Cosmic Complexity. So Bobby Azarian is a, in addition to a cognitive neuroscientist, he's what's called a complexity researcher or complexity scientist. And it's interesting because we are in an age of um, specialty, specialization, right? Mm. Science generally, and lots of other things too, like professions, like like the, the legal profession, for example, to come from something I know at least a little bit about. Everybody's got like a narrow little specialty for the most part, right? Like, oh, I do 
big corporate labor law. I don't know anything about environmental law. Don't even ask, right? Or in, right. Actually, in my case, it's the opposite, but whatever. Like my dad is a civil, <clears throat> so it's civil kind of, attorney. Yeah. So in science, you've had the same specialization, especially in academia, right? Somebody gets, you know, they do their PhD or their master's thesis on a particular topic, and it puts them on a path where 15 or 20 years later, that's all they really know about, right? To the, you know, so, so what we have, we had a period over the last hundred years where specialization broke everybody into little bitty silos. And unfortunately, you might have people in uh, one, one field oblivious to work going on in the other field, even though those things are interconnected because the world is all one place, right? So complexity science is this attempt to, over, to understand the cutting edge of all science disciplines and see how the world pieces back together, right? Which mm. is really fascinating. But anyway... He's got this book coming out later this month. We can hold off until the book comes out and do the book review, or we can just, we could easily do a show talking about this episode of this show. So I'll leave it to you, which way you want to take it, but listen to it. Um, but plan to probably listen honestly to it twice. It's one of his shorter shows. It only goes two and a half. Um, there's a <laughs> few one of our longer ones. We're at an hour 50 now. Right. Um, but I think we've had usually if it doesn't hit three, today. it, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been good. Usually, if it doesn't go three, it's because some the guy Joe, Joe wasn't into it, but he must have had something else going on because he was super into the conversation. He was like, "Well, I got to go. Let's wrap it up." Um, <laughs> but there's, I have to re-listen to it to even tee it up well. But suffice it to say, this guy's theory is that the universe is actually created to allow for life to begin and evolve into higher and higher levels of consciousness. And that then higher life forms actually drive order in the universe. Well, that's just evolution. But that's just a fancy way of saying evolution. Yeah, but just I mean, I'm going to dumb it down and, and call a spade a spade here. That's what evolution is. And but listen, He's, he's taking, he, you'll hear it when you listen. There's a spiritual element to the points that he's making. The main point he's actually making is there is an architecture to the universe verse. So therefore it's hard to argue there's not an architect, mm. right? Some design. The universe, the order of the universe and the way it evolves, to your point, yes, the way it evolves and the way life evolves all goes in a certain direction and it, it just, it can't be from random happenstance. And he even gets into Elon Musk's theories. It's not just Elon's theories. There's lots of people that theorize that we're living in a simulation, right? The computer technology that we've already developed is so advanced that it's only a matter of time before we can create a, a, you know, electronic based simulation boring. environment for us to live in. And if, boring, if we're boring, able boring. to do it, then it's more likely than not that it already happened. And I've always said that sure sounds like an argument for God to me, because if it's true that we're living in a computer simulation, then somebody programmed the computer simulation. And for sure that's God. Right. And Joe was even sort of taken aback when he first throws that in it. Listen to it, dude. It's dense, but there's this moment where I'm not, I wasn't saying that the podcast sounds boring. I'm saying it sounds really, it sounds boring. I thought Elon was more of like, um, well, in, in meta and like the social media stuff, they want to be more like virtual reality, simulating life, like in that aspect, not saying that we're already living in it. And to me, virtual reality sounds boring as shit. 
I, I want to live, well, like, live life. But this, see, dude, uh, everything comes back together, right? This is the transhuman agenda, right? This is Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates and all these assholes. And that guy that's a former Google executive, um, can't think of his name. Uh, they're all Ray, Kur, Ray Kurzweil. They want immortality. We have a limitation in our biological, physical being. They think they should be able to engineer a way to load your consciousness to a computer system and let it continue to be you in that environment. Right. Mm. So, but their goal is for it to not seem any different than the real, real reality. What Elon and those others who talk about the possibility of simulation theory is that if that's technologically feasible, then presumably somewhere in the universe it already happened. And if it already happened, there's a higher than likelihood chance, higher than not likelihood chance that we're already in it. But it's still, um, you're focusing on the wrong part. The spiritual points that this guy's making is really where I would like to focus. Uh, right. Really Going back to what like, you said. Dude, if, when we if, were at Baylor. Like there's an architect. I get it. Yeah. When we were at Baylor, there was a professor who did a lecture series on on Neo from the Matrix as basically uh, Christ-like archetypes, right? Like that whole story, the Matrix story, is a salvation Jesus-type story, even all the way down to the fact that there is, and they call him the architect, right, who's in charge of the whole thing. Mm. So anyway. Um, all right, well, I'm going to give it a listen. I thought it was a fascinating discussion, yeah. Take a listen to it. See if you can, we can make a conversation out of it. I need to re-listen to it and make some specific notes. I was listening to it the other day, and it was like blowing my mind because it was stuff I think about all the time. And then hearing a scientist like put it together through actual observational mind like, cool. blown. Mind blown. All right. Well, I'm going to go to the gym and listen to it and have my mind blown as well, so that I could stay just a little bit overweight, but not like beached whale status. So, um. For Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. Thank you for tuning in to episode 82 of Justified Pursuit, and we will catch you guys later. Don't nullify your children.